You're listening to WALT. Homemade Radio. Hello, Ghost Family. Welcome to Family Ghosts. I have an important announcement to share with you today, and it's a bittersweet announcement. The announcement is that this is going to be the last episode of Family Ghosts for a while. Not forever, but just for a little while. I'm putting the show on what I've decided to call a thoughtful pause. Now, there is an exciting reason for this thoughtful pause, which is that I have a new podcast coming out soon, and while I can't tell you the details of this new project yet, I can tell you that it is produced in the same spirit of reflection, candor, and self-investigation that I would like to think our work here on Family Ghosts shares. In short, if you like Family Ghosts, you are going to love this new show. In the meantime, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to Family Ghosts. Whether you've been with us for all five years or you only just recently joined the Ghost family, I am honored that you have given this show the blessing of your time. And please stay tuned to the feed for updates about the future of Family Ghosts, as well as the official announcement of this new show, which will be coming to your headphones in just a few weeks. Now, as you have probably noticed, there is a rerun in the feed today, and I've never released a straight-up rerun before. But it felt important to me for our episode this week to reflect the awful cultural moment that we find ourselves in. This episode is being released a week after the Supreme Court voted to deprive American women of their civil rights and physical autonomy. I'm sure a lot of you are just as horrified as I am. I'm sure you're feeling furious and frustrated about what to do. I'm not going to pretend that I have those answers. But what I can offer is a reprise of one of my favorite stories I ever had the opportunity to collaborate on, Bone Hill a two-part story and song cycle by Martha Redbone. Bone Hill is a story which reminds us that while the resilience and bravery of oppressed people in this country may be inspiring and thrilling, it shouldn't be necessary. And that the cruelty and tyranny of that oppression is never unprecedented, no matter when or to whom it's applied. It has been there since the earliest days of the American experiment. It is a ghost that seems destined to haunt us forever. Bone Hill is a story that somehow finds beauty and transcendence in the midst of all that. It is a blend of stories and songs that builds to a cathartic exorcism. May your experience of listening to it today bring you some solace and some hope. Before we begin, a quick warning. This story contains violence, references to sexual assault, and racial epithets. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, ghost family. Welcome to Family Ghosts. Folks, today's story is special for a couple of reasons. First off, it's our season two finale, 
And as you probably noticed when you refreshed your feed, it's a two-parter. That's because today's story is a big story. It starts in the 1830s and goes all the way up to the present day. But it's also a completely different kind of story than we've ever told. And that's because of the artist who's going to tell it. Her name is Martha Redbone. Martha is a singer and songwriter based here in Brooklyn. And that's an excerpt from a record she released in 2012 called Garden of Love, Songs of William Blake. The album is a fusion of the poetry of William Blake and various forms of roots music. Martha wrote the William Blake album with her husband, the pianist Aaron Whitby. And over the last few years, they've been working on a new project, one that's much more personal. Martha comes from a family that's a blend of Cherokee, Black, and European ancestry, which means that when it comes to ignorant comments, she's heard it all. These are just a few of the actual comments made to me throughout my life. Martha Redbone, you look black to me. You just light-skinned it, but you black. I can see you got Indian all up in your face, and you got good hair. You look Indian, but girl... You have a nigger nose. Red Indians are still alive. You must be joking. Light-skinned blacks are always trying to claim they're Indian. Oh, don't tell me. Your great-great-grandmother was a Cherokee princess, right? Oh, you're going to have to choose which road to walk. Yeah, right? you can't be both. But Martha doesn't need anyone else to explain her heritage to her. Her family has been telling the story of who they are and where they come from for generations. I can tell you the name. I can tell you the place. Even the date. I could write a book. In fact, I could even write. And that's exactly what she did. I'm gonna tell you a story about my family. Our family kinda just like mine. We are red of the land. We are black, brought to work. We are white, those with hope. but not confused. So recently, we got together with Martha and her band in a recording studio. And today, on the show, we present our adaptation of that project Martha and Aaron have been working on, the story of Martha's family, from Black Mountain, Kentucky to Brooklyn, New York, a fusion of storytelling and song, hatred and hope, history and harmony. 
From Spoke Media and WALT, you're listening to Family Ghosts. I'm Sam Dingman, and this is episode 16, Bone Hill. Act One begins after the break. We're Cherokee people, bird clan, hunters and messengers, mountain people from Harlan County, Kentucky. That's Appalachia. In our peaceful little world of Appalachia. People dwell. How sweet the silence in the still of our hollows. We hear the calling of our Lord. Black coal, coal is running through our veins. Bloody Harlem, Kentucky. Our story begins in Harlan County, Kentucky, where Martha Redbone has vivid memories of sitting on her grandparents' porch. From our family's house, up on top of Bone Hill, we could see what everybody was up to in the camp. Oh, a camp? That's a mining town, a coal mining town. Yeah, sitting on my grandparents' porch. We could see who was coming in and riding out. But way back, when Martha's family first moved into that house, it was Martha's great-grandmother, Liza, who used to sit on the porch looking out across the valley. Everyone in the camp knew great-grandma Liza. She went way back to when Indians lived throughout those mountains. When she gave you the eye, It was so cold, even Satan needed a fur coat. But mostly, she just sat up on that porch dreaming about them old-time powwows. Oh, hey, ya, 
My great-grandma Liza dreamed about the stories her grandparents told her. Stories from way before the Trail of Tears. Or as we say, the long walk. They like to tell you a story that after the Indian Removal Act, all Indians were gone. But that's not quite what happened. When we were forced from our homes, some of our people ran into the hills. Mama Mason He lived around these parts Called us With fire in her heart When the soldiers came a-searching For the ones who slipped the trail She'd watch them from the hill She'd watch them all the way the dogs kept a howling, their songs of rage and fear, all the horrors of murder, of death, blood, and tears. Then, still as a stone, Mama Mason, still a lay low in the cool of the earth a child aching for the chance to breathe her little grieving heart pounding just like our drum as she watched all our Cherokees go and gone was our Cherokee home then still as a stone My family was one of the ones that made it back from the long walk. Mama Mason and her husband Joe signed up on that Dawes roll, and they cut out of Indian territory as Oklahoma was still known and headed right on back home. There were bands of Indians that helped walk them through, like slaves did in the Underground Railroad. They wanted to find their relations who'd lived across the Smoky, Clinch, and Black Mountains. They didn't want to die in a new place. It took our people almost two years. But we got back, and great-grandma Liza was born on Black Mountain. But by then, coal had been discovered, and everything changed. Bone Hill will continue after the break. Spoke Media. Welcome back to Bone Hill. Before the break, Martha Redbone told us about Mama Mason, who was forced off her family's land on Black Mountain in Harlan County, Kentucky, by the Indian Removal Act. But Mama Mason and her husband Joe refused to be separated from their home. It took them almost two years, but they made their way back to Black Mountain and had a daughter, Liza, Martha's great-grandmother. But in the years the family had been gone, Black Mountain had changed. 
The new settlers kept arriving and driving Indians off the land, and as a child, great-grandma Liza lost her whole family and found herself completely alone. Sometimes she was silent, for weeks or months even. Some people thought she was a mute because she rarely spoke. You can't just speak to anyone now, because the devil is always listening. In the aftermath of the death of her parents, Joe and Mama Mason, Liza found herself living in the home of one of the European settlers on Black Mountain. Mr. Whitaker, a white man from England who's recently become a clerk for U.S. Coal. Now, Mr. Whitaker is 45 years old, brought his wife over from England. My dear brother Henry, please forgive me my tardiness writing, but my first year in this wondrous new land has been a veritable whirlwind. They call it Black Mountain, but to me, it is Phoenix Mountain, a place of rebirth and renewal. And in these serene mountains, the heavens are closer and the Lord ever-present. And the land's empty for we Christians. (laughs) New land? Empty? Really? Brother, I beseech you to reconsider your decision to remain in London. It would be false for me to claim that the streets here are paved with gold, but in this good country, if you work hard, you will be rewarded. Uh, this theory worked better for some. You know what I'm saying. Brother, the opportunities are not just pecuniary. Suffice it to say, my sweet wife Gladys has a delightful and obedient Indian girl helping out of the house. Imagine that. A proper housemaid. Bingo. That would be 13-year-old great-grandma Liza. And I am pleased to give her a Christian home and serve as her mentor. Mentor? (laughs) Rapist, more like. Dear brother, I would lie if I said that I miss the crowded streets of London. But I miss you, Henry. Ever faithfully. William. My family always said great-grandma Liza was married to Mr. Whitaker. I guess because of the ten children she bore him. Six of those babies died before they'd made it to four years old. It wasn't right how men could have a wife and take what women they wanted. And slavery was supposed to be over. But try as they might, those Whitakers can't force great-grandma Liza to talk. Mrs. Whitaker called her obstinate as a terrier. But every day, great-grandma Liza sings to those precious little babies that lived. Oh, stay on
when Mr. Whitaker dies, Mrs. Whitaker puts my great-grandma Liza out, her and her four remaining children. No house, no money, and this being a good old U.S. of A., the young common-law widow doesn't get any help from the government. And so, Liza finds herself kicked out of the Whitaker's house, with no means of supporting herself and her four surviving children, despite the fact that Mr. Whitaker fathered those children. But Liza, determined to preserve her family's place on Black Mountain, eventually manages to find a small house for herself and the kids. It's a hard life, but Liza finds a way to keep going, even though she doesn't have anyone else to rely on. But every 10 years or so, she can count on a faithful knock on the door from the census man who comes around to tell her what race she and her kids are. It changes every decade. All right, now get out here, you coloreds. Line them up tall as to the shortest. You there, freckles. Step out and let me take a good look at you. Says here you're an engine. Well, there ain't no engines in these parts no more. Uh, 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 uh. This pencil right here will be the judge. You sit down and I'll throw it at your hair. If it stays in, you're a colored boy. Ooh, and you, why, you're almost as white as me with your pretty little sal. I know you're one of them mulatto Whitakers, ain't ya? Well, who knows who the daddy is to the rest of y'all? Light them up, come on now, I ain't got all day. One, two, three, knock, knock. This day, in the year of 1850, I declare that the state of Virginia is Indian free. And North Carolina, Kentucky, and West Virginia follow suit. How can you be Indian? Your hair is curly brown. I'll take this pan, throw it at your head, and a better fall to the ground. One, two, three, knock, knock. Who's there? I'm a census man coming to town, but I told you by your Or Osage You went to Oklahoma Then turned around and came back Only a fool who'd never been to school Would do something like that In the event the Indians become extinct The land exchange shall revert To the United States
over time, our same family in the same house go from Indian to mulatto to colored, and eventually the census man makes everyone black. You see, Indians are wards of the state with at least some rights. Blacks, on the other hand, seems the government knew that making Indians black would get them out of all that. New reparations was never going to happen, even back then when the ink was still wet. But we digress. My great-grandma Liza outlives eight of her ten children. Of the four who made it to adulthood, two die before the age of 25. One in an accident in the mine and another in a bar fight. Only two daughters are left. One goes off and forgets Harlan County. Her last daughter, my Grandma Easter, is the one who stays and cares for great-grandma Liza all her life, looking after the home while great-grandma Liza just sits on that porch, watches those wheels roll by. The rolling of the wagon wheels that took our people away on that trail of tears was deep in her bones. And the wheels of those coal trains just roll on in. Coal was big money. By this time, my Grandma Easter is a young mother who's just kicked out her worthless husband, a Cherokee baseball player named Tibby. And, unfortunately, a drunk. Sorry for the cliché, folks. But there were only two in our family who didn't drink. She has a baby, Junior, from this very brief marriage. And she takes care of the baby and her mother. Cleans houses, does hair, cooks, and bakes cakes. Everything just to make ends meet. Ooh, wee, but that Easter was pretty. You could just sop her up with a biscuit. Ah, the fellas didn't stand half a chance. She didn't have time or eyes for no one but her baby. I can still remember them cakes she made. People said she baked with the Lord in her hands. (laughs) Couldn't tell by her smile or her little blue dress, not a hair or a word out of place. But if you look a little deeper at her peepers, you'd guess Mama's pretty face was depressed. She'd smile with a sigh and a huff and a puff And we were tickled by her ways Cause she was headed for the kitchen with a bowl And all the fixin' just a mixin' and a stirrin' all the days For goodness sake, hey, Mama's gonna bake another cake Mama's gonna bake, Mama's gonna bake, Mama's gonna bake another cake yeah. Yeah. Oh, Miss Lucy was a hundred and one When the Lord met her at the pearly gates Word around town, Mr. Frank had a frown, his tears filled cranks weeks late. Mama hung up the phone with a sigh and a moan, and we were hiding by the door. Cause she was headed for the kitchen with a bowl and all the fixin' just a mixin' and a stirrin' once more. For goodness sake, Mama's gonna bake another cake. Mama's gonna bake, Mama's gonna bake another cake. Coconut, seven layers, wedding, two days, three, 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 three
far out the back Get the children in for the night We could tell she was reeling Cause somebody hurt her feelings She was huffing and puffing with a sigh Mama never said a word But her thoughts could be heard By her smells from the cooking through the town Cause she was headed for the kitchen with a bowl and all the fixing Just a mixing and a stirring till the sun goes down For goodness sakes, mama's gonna bake another cake Mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake another cake Mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake another cake Mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake another cake Even as a very young woman, my Grandma Easter cares for everybody. And she makes the most delicious stews. Ooh, her bean bread. Ooh, her bean bread. Mm. She makes the family's clothes, quilts everything she puts her hands on. And every evening in the still mountain night, she sings lullabies to baby Junior. I think she sings them so she can coax great-grandma Liza to sing with her. Ooh, nay. Lena Iwechi Iga Goya Hei Nako Sosa Wiulose Iga Goya Isn't that just the sweetest picture? But let me back up a sec. There's one thing great-grandma Liza has a bone to pick with her daughter Easter about. It's a big black bone from Mississippi named Billy Bone. (laughs) My granddaddy Billy Bone, a Choctaw black handsome something from Mississippi. He's come to Harlan County with his brother to work in the coal mines. No more sugar no more picking cotton. Now we finger popping as we ride on up the road. We got coal, we're working in the mines. Wife, I got a friend, Lisa, I'm live, live, cold. We're working in the mines. Yeah, 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 we're working in the mines. Y
come up to the mountains with big dreams for a better life far away from sharecropping, which was just a fancy new word for slavery after the fact. But they don't know those ads they saw in Mississippi were meant to bring them in as strike breakers. Continue after the break. Spoke Media. Welcome back to Bone Hill. Before the break, the man who would become Martha's grandfather, Billy Bone, came to Kentucky with his brother to find work in the coal mines. Billy and his brother had seen ads back in Mississippi for coal mining jobs on Black Mountain ads which had conveniently left out the fact that they'd have to cross a picket line in order to get those jobs. But once they arrive on Black Mountain, they don't have much choice, so they take the work, thrusting them into the midst of a simmering labor dispute that, as we'll hear, will continue to haunt the family. But before we get there, how did Billy Bone become part of Martha's family? Let's get back to Martha. One day, Billy Bone goes into town to get a haircut at the colored barbershop. And that's where he sees my Grandma Easter, or as Grandpa would put it, where she first caught his eye. Dirty clothes from the mine, but a smile that warmed my soul as you held the door for me. Just a pounded cause you were so beautiful 
to me And we danced in the yellow moonlight Round and round, spinning, spinning, spinning Underneath the stars where you caught my eye to run home and tell her mama her big news. Mama! I met someone. (laughs) He's a miner. They gave him the house next to the church. He's got his own house. (laughs) That's right, mama. Old man Turner's house passed on last month. The one on the hill. And he wants to marry us. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. That's a good house. Mama, mama, it is. My prayers have been answered. My prayers. Praise Jesus. (laughs) Things are going to change for us, mama. And Junior, they change it already. We can finally hold our heads up. Little Junior's going to have him a good daddy. Yes, Lord. What is this fine miner's name? Mr. Billy. Bone. His brother's got a good job, too. Bone? Mm-hmm. Who are his people? What camp is he from? His people from Mississippi. He and his brother come all the way up from that way, and they got good jobs. Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Ooh, they Choctaw people. Yeah. What family they in? Yeah, they Choctaw. And colored. What? Uh, you mean he's dark? Uh, oh, he's, he's colored. Well, what color? You said he was Choctaw. And colored, Mama. No. Mm, You can't be marrying no colored man. The whole town will be talking. Why, they already talking about how we put out Junior's daddy. People in there talk. I ain't having it. Wait, wait. Ain't this something, Mama? He's a good man. A colored man. They're going to call you Jezebel, oh. and they're going to say that we, we... We, Mama, 
can't go on living like this. Junior's sleeping in a dresser drawer. This place is falling down. He's going to marry us. Bring me my Bible. I'm going to pray over you. Bring me my sage. We need to smudge this house down. Mama, please. You got to give him a chance. Just meet him. I know you'll change her. And right then, Billy Bone knocks on the door. Great Grandma Liza opens that door, sees him standing there, big smile, holding two bouquets of flowers. Great Grandma Liza let her flowers drop to the ground, and she does not let him over that doorstep. I see my children vanish before me into the blackness far away from me. I am undone, a child is torn, I have no place to Stories of our lives roll on. That concludes Act One of Bone Hill. Our story continues in Act Two. Welcome back to the season two finale of Family Ghosts. You're listening to a story called Bone Hill by Martha Redbone, and you're about to start Act 2. At the end of Act 1, Martha told us that her grandmother, Easter, had fallen in love with Billy Bone, a black coal miner from Mississippi. And Easter's mother, Martha's great-grandmother, Liza, was fearful about what would happen to the family's reputation if Easter married Billy. But Easter and Billy were deeply in love with each other, and eventually... Liza relented. Let's get back to Martha. Time passes. And my grandma Easter did move into that coal miner's house on the hill. And my grandpa Billy is a good man. He takes Easter's son as his own, even gives him his name, William Bone Jr. So he's still Jr. They have two more children, my mama Janice, and the baby girl, Sweet Cake. These are some happy years for Grandma Easter in that house up on the hill. It's the turn of the 60s. Junior's a young man getting ready to make his way in the world. My mama Janice is the soon-to-be valedictorian looking to get out of those mountains so she doesn't have to bake cakes and be stuck at home forever. Daydreaming Sweet Cake is a romantic teenager and great-grandma Liza still sitting up on that porch. Back then, in our house, the radio reigns supreme. It's the center of family entertainment. In fact, we're the last family in the camp to own a TV. There was only one radio station, WHC in Harlan County. But it had everything on it, from the blues to the news. 
The house was always brimming with activity. Somebody was always doing something. There were beans on the stove, bread in the oven, schoolwork doing, and most of all, prepping the table for supper to be right on time when Grandpa Billy came home from another grueling day in the mine. No matter how tired he was, he always had a twinkle in his eye for Easter and his kids and a big old hug that made everything all right. If Grandpa Billy had his way, he'd be out fishing or hunting for possum, groundhog, or squirrels for Grandma Easter to fix for stew. Anything to keep from having to go back down in that hole. But on this particular day, none of that mattered. There was another strike brewing. Heard people were getting beat up over in Slab Fork. But Grandpa Billy was in the union now, an integrated union. And he was prepared to stand with his brothers, black and white. Hard times follows for our family up on Bone Hill. Two years go by, and with folks starving and no end in sight, we end up back down in that hole again. Grandpa Billy got hurt bad on the strike line, but more than that, his spirit's been broken. All the ladies set to work baking more cakes than ever to sell, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Billy Bone is only working part-time, and Junior gets pulled out of school some days to help. Got to be that Junior ended up working more at the mine than at his schoolwork. Two days one week, three days the next, and he was not pleased with this at all. Junior was a happy-go-lucky dreamer on his way to becoming a fine young man. And not to gossip, but I will. (laughs) Junior was no bookworm like my mama Janice. But what Junior did know was that he wasn't fixing to be hauling coal the rest of his life, like my Grandpa Billy, who Junior watched slowly get ground down to a pulp and damn near lost his life in that hole, but managed to escape with losing half his leg. Mm Mm-mm. Junior didn't want none of that. He had dreams of seeing the world, making his mark. Junior had other plans. Mama loves me, she told me so. Favorite baby, firstborn to go, go, go. Like baby Jesus, grew to be a man. I gotta branch out, see some of this land. I love my papa, but can't follow his steps. I'm not going underground, I'm over there. Cause my country is calling me. And my country is to be. Sweet land. 
my daddy I'm a leader I got my eyes on the prize I've got goals And that cold Black gold of the mountain That's just something That I can't be so My mama loved me Down to my soul I love my family But now I got to go, go, go My country Forever be. There's no place I love more than the land I was born. But there's a whole world out there for me to see. Hill will continue in a moment. Spoke Media. Welcome back to Bone Hill. Before the break, Martha's uncle, Junior, signed up for the U.S. Army and left Black Mountain. But the rest of the family is still living there in that house on the hill with the porch overlooking the valley. Martha's great-grandmother, Liza, Liza's daughter, Easter, and her husband, Billy Bone, and Easter and Billy's remaining children. Janice and Sweetcake. After Junior signs up for the Army and heads overseas, Grandma Easter keeps on baking, and the two now teenage girls, my mama Janice and Sweetcake, step up to bake and deliver cakes all across the mountain to keep the family afloat. One regular customer was Mr. Sizemore, the doctor's wife. And not to gossip, <laughs> but I will. Her son, Tommy, is taking a little shine to our sweet cake. And sweet cake jumps quicker than white on rice to deliver those cakes. Mrs. Sizemore wouldn't approve, but everyone knows our family. 
All hell would break loose if the town found out Tommy Sizemore was courting a colored girl, much less an Indian. But you know how love goes. A shadow you forget. Don't want to be a cardboard silhouette. I'm longing for the light. Don't want to be the secret you keep today. Don't want to be the kiss you blow away. I'm holding on. The world starts to quake And I'm not wrong When it feels so right Because love is a simple thing Love is a simple thing Gazing out the window, a silver moon. Whippoorwill singing his same old whippoorwill tune. In the same damn town, in the same dreams. Will they ever change? And I'm not wrong when it feels so right. Because love is a simple thing Love is a simple thing And I'm not wrong When it feels so good Because love is a simple thing Love Trouble is, that fella Creech and some Peckerwoods was laying for them at the bottom of the holler. You know his kind. Dumber than a coal bucket, meaner than a striped snake, and just spoiling for a fight. Hey! Sweet cake! You gonna give the fellas a slice of that sweet cake you got? <laughs> Go on, Creech. You know I can't do that. I'm taking these over to your daddy's soda shop. You can ask him the favor yourself. 
<laughs> but it wouldn't taste half as sweet as it would from your pretty hands. <laughs> Ain't that right, Tommy? Crazy creature. You, you leave her be. Mm, tough titty, said the kitty. Ooh, but the milk show is sweet. <laughs> hey, mama's boy. Ain't your mama learn you to share? You shut you yet. You, you way across the line now, creature. Don't pay him no, never mind. Come on, let's walk on now. Oh, so you gonna keep it all for yourself, Tommy? Got yourself a taste for that sweet nigga cake? Watch it now, creature. Sweet cake, she ain't no nigga, she just watches you. Oh, so you saying old nigga bones ain't her pappy? Baby, it was your daddy what done the deed. You take that back, Chris. I'll knock you in the middle next week. Or, oh, maybe, no, maybe it's her daddy that's your pappy. I hear tell you got some coons hiding up in your family tree. Or is it engines you got swinging from that tree? Come on, fellas. Let's get these coons. Stop. No. Stop. 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 What? Sorry, good for nothings. They've been out spreeing on moonshine. They lit into Tommy, and he barely escaped with his life. And Sweet Cake? <laughs> Sweet Cake got beat something awful. Lucky thing her screams set the dogs barking throughout the holler, and those boys stopped short their treachery. Sweet Cake's body was badly bruised. But the thing that broke her heart? was to see Tommy Sizemore just lizarding out of there, so scared he ain't even looked back. Grandpa Billy just about lost his mind. He said, bring me my shotgun. I got a bullet with his name on it. I'ma put him where even the devil won't find him. No one does my baby girl like that. No, where does this end? They done beat us on the strike line and now my baby girl's been... But Mrs. Sizemore, she doesn't call the law. All her money won't open her mouth. Because she don't want the whole camp to find out her golden boy is fraternizing with a colored girl. Much less an Indian. Them Sizemores send their precious son away to school in a 30-second minute. And my grandparents know that without the Sizemores say, the law ain't gonna do nothing to those white boys. Sweetcake's traumatized by the whole experience. Her sparkle disappears and she never hears or sees Tommy ever again. I am undone. A child is torn. I have no place to go. Grandpa Billy out of work, Junior overseas, Grandma Easter, Sweet Cake, and my mama Janice baking around the clock to take up for the family. My mother Janice starts to feel walled in by all those mountains. She sees mountains everywhere and makes a vow to get as far away as soon as possible. 
Grandpa Billy Bones starts driving my mama Janice to deliver the cakes. And they keep an eye on Creature's Soda Shop. Now, they can't refuse to deliver cakes there. Because they need the money. But they won't ever forget what happened to their sweet cake. Our story continues after the break. Spoke Media. Welcome back to Bone Hill. Before the break, Martha's mom, Janice, had been reluctantly forced into the family business of selling cakes made by Martha's grandmother, Easter, at the local soda shop. The shop was owned by a white family, whose son Creech had brutally attacked Janice's sister, Sweetcake, when he saw Sweetcake walking through town with her white boyfriend. But Martha's family needs the money too much to stop doing business with Creech's parents. So Janice and her father, Billy Bone, keep delivering Easter's cakes to the soda shop. It's been a few years since the attack, and Janice has been dreaming of a life beyond Black Mountain for a long time. It's the civil rights era. And one day when Grandpa Billy's feeling poorly, my mama Janice drives herself to Creature's Soda Shop. And she had just about enough of bringing her cakes round the back to the hot, smoky kitchen without so much as even an offer of water. It was hotter than Hell's basement that day, so she just went in the front door, sat herself down, ordered her a pop and a slice of her mama's lemon cakes. Wasn't nothing she planned or decided. She was just hot, tired, and thirsty. Now, the way my mama tells it, she says that waitress wasn't having it. She said, we don't want no trouble. Y'all know we don't serve niggers. So just go on. Go on. So my mother left. But sometime later, a match and a can of gas. No one saw nothing, and no one said nothing when that soda shop went up in flames. But after that, my mama needed to go. My mama Janice made her escape to New York City.
actually, she leaves with a one-way ticket on a Greyhound bus. But it felt like a convertible. My mama was finally free. (laughs) But in the years after Janice left, Black Lung eventually got to Grandpa Billy Bone, and he dies, leaving great-grandma Liza, Grandma Easter, and Sweet Cake alone, left behind on Black Mountain. We are undone. The child is torn. We have no place to go. Heavy rain come, wash away the pain. But the stories of our lives roll on. Fast forward. It's the 70s, y'all. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but time is passing in the mountains. Children have been born, cousins married, sometimes to each other. (laughs) I'm joking, maybe. I told you before we were the last family in the camp to own a TV. But it seems now we're just like any other American family. Football on Sundays, beer in the fridge, and lots of little secrets. Hey, Ray! Hey, Ray! Yep, that's me. Back when I was 10 years old, Great Grandma Eliza and Grandma Easter raised me because my mom was working up north and sending money. In here. I'm nearly finished with your cousin's pretty hair, and we are late for revival. Oh, you know they always make little red sing in the church. Sing red. Come on, girl. Come on, red. Come on, little red. One drop, 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 one drop,
the revival great grandma Liza gets winded she sits down weary and it's very peaceful as if she's back on the porch way up on Bone Hill and she falls asleep Great-Grandma Liza passes away. From whence we 
came, we shall return. For the old ways are lessons learned. From whence all darkness comes the light. I'll defend my right to rest in my soul. Where our fathers dwell. And we will live forever. After the break, a funeral for Liza, where the secret of her long-held silence is finally revealed. Spoke Media. Welcome back to Bone Hill. Before the break, Martha told us about the death of her great-grandmother, Liza. Liza had been living on Black Mountain ever since her parents, Joe and Mama Mason, made their way back to Bone Hill and reclaimed the ancestral land that was taken from them. But not long after that, Joe and Mama Mason had died very suddenly when Liza was still young. Liza had never spoken to most of her family about her parents' death. She'd never spoken much at all, really. And with Liza's passing, the story of what happened in that pivotal moment is in danger of being lost forever. All of Harlan County is coming to pay their respects. Everybody from the Clinch to the Smokies. And Grandma Easter's children finally all come home. Uncle Junior returns from Oklahoma. He moved there with Army buddies, married a local Cherokee girl, and he became a farmer. My Mama Janice returns from her cosmopolitan life in New York City, where she joined in with the Black Arts Movement. And Sweetcake? Sweetcake stayed home to care for her mother and grandmother. She feels a mite superior to her siblings, who she feels took the easy way out. And surprise! A white lady shows up. Remember way, way back in the story, I said great-grandma Liza had two children who survived? Well... Aunt Nora is Grandma Easter's sister. She's been living in California and passing for white for decades. Aunt Nora is the most estranged by far of those who left the mountains. She feels very superior to her old home, if not a shade guilty. She hadn't seen her mother for almost 30 years, 
and returns only now that she's dead. Aunt Nora arrives with strong opinions about the funeral, opinions she shares with Grandma Easter alone in a corner. Uncle Junior, my mama Janice, and Sweetcake start muttering amongst themselves, too. And Uncle Junior said, That strange old half-white bird can't just show up and have a say in how it's going to go. Great-grandma Lies has got to be buried the Cherokee way. The sweet cake is staring across the room over at Aunt Nora and saying, Aunt Nora is wider than flour. <laughs> My mama Janice is not having it. She said, forget about Aunt Nora. I want to know why no fuss was never made when Daddy died. He barely got a pine box. Sweet cake said, that ain't fair. There is no extra money to it. And my mama said, I ain't talking about the money. I'm talking about the how of it. Sweet cake looked at my mama and said, well, you the one drove that convertible down here all big when we ain't had nothing. Uh, excuse you, that was a rent-a-car. Besides, I send something every month. You don't know how expensive it is up north in New York City. And anyway, it's Junior that ain't never send nothing. Uncle Junior said, that ain't true. I send money, too, when I can. But farming ain't as easy as baking cakes, you know. Oh! You the one wanted to get far away from the hole in Daddy's life, but you may as well be a sharecropper. You right back in the mud where he started. Grandma Easter, tired of hearing that bickering across the room in front of extended family and guests, hushes everybody up with a big old, Will the circle... Be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by. There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. And that's when, like Lazarus back from the dead, Grandma Easter's first husband, Junior's pa, that good old Cherokee baseball player, Tibby, enters sober and looking as lost as last year's Easter eggs. I come to pay my respects. I see y'all still here praying to the Lord. Well, shit fire and save the matches. It's Tibby. I know it ain't my place, but I come to pay my respects and, and to stand by my son. We both out in Oklahoma now. Mm, well, thank you for coming all the way back here for Mama. I figured y'all could use our help. Son, take this headline, start measuring out, and I'll The be rest out of the family runs to the window. The going to What's he doing out there with them sticks? They building some few, kind of uh, structure? Well, Look like some kind of scaffold. What is he doing? No. Wait. Look there. They hauling branches and piling firewood underneath. Looks like they building a funeral pile. He done hired himself as a bone picker. Tibby, what in baby Jesus' name? Tibby looks up from the pile of wood and he calls out. Woman, you all over the place. You still singing about baby Jesus with them Bible thumpers, burning sage too? You all over the place. You know we got to do this right. Your mother need her home coming the right way. The right way? Wait, who nominated you? My son 
asked me to come here and help do this right. Great-grandma Liza was 102. We all need to honor her right. We knew when y'all women's was going to need some help. You forget your ways, but it's all right, Easter. I'm back. Back? Back? Help? Forget? How in hell's acre could I forget? Had to drag you out the gutter when Junior was just days old. You probably that drunk now, talking this mess. Oh, never mind. I know y'all broke up. Easter, I'm sorry I done you wrong before. But you ran me out of here before I found the red road. You ran me right out the life of my son. But our ways save me. And I can save this family just like I saved myself. Oh, in all my born days, save us? Save us? No, Mama and I never needed no one but Billy. We made this here family. I ain't meant no harm. I brought tobacco and sweet grass, sage, and... Well, I'm just... Take the bear skin and wrap my up real good then. Back in the old days, when it was someone important, they'd hire people to cry. But we got our relations here. Gather round now, y'all. We gotta start our morning. And if there's something still unsettled, we gotta ask our questions. Ask anything you like, no matter what it is. No matter how strange it is, just ask what's in your heart. Want to know why Mama Hardy never talked? Wasn't just them Sizemores. Wasn't even old Whitaker. She protected all of y'all from what she knew. She kept that story inside her because her parents' souls never rested. They was lynched. Lynched by those people who took our land when they made it back. 
Never got sent off right. She never knew where exactly, but they bones is right here. The whole of Harlan County rests on the bones of our people. Our ancestors are in those mountains. Our people are in that land. Liza was just a small girl when she saw them hanged. The old time people knew it and could only whisper. Grandma Easter had heard bits and pieces, and she held fast great-grandma Liza's truth. She'd seen her parents die and had to live, knowing their souls had never been laid to rest. I am undone. A child is torn. I have no place to go. Heavy rain, come wash away the pain. But the stories of our life roll up. High on a mountain, blood in the creek. Red water, dead in the water, but fish so we All her life, great-grandma Liza carried that mix of fear, shame, and helplessness. Liza was the woman who protected the family with silence, who had kept our family together, and now had finally brought the family all back home again. This was a chance to make it right, to properly honor their memory. Pine box or big funeral. Great-grandma Liza would go the Cherokee way. Our people built mounds. Truth is, Harlan County sits atop these Cherokee burial mounds, right there by the Cumberland River, along the ancient Black Mountain Trail. The bones of my ancestors are buried in these hills. And now my great-grandma Liza's bones rest there, too. We may have been... Driven away... 
erased from the census records, our bones dug up, written out of history. But some of us stayed, some of us made it back, and some of us live on in other lands. We may have blended with every race who came to our mountain and some that we found when we went out in the world. But we never lost who we are. Heck, I was raised in Harlan County. But today I live in Brooklyn. Munch on chili spice dried mango slices from Trader Joe's and even married an Englishman. Sorry, Liza. (laughs) But our home never leaves us. Our bones are in those hills and will always call us back to our land, our sacred land, and a land which, when we travel, lives on in our stories and our songs. We roll was written by Martha Redbone and Aaron Whitby and featured performances by Martha, Aaron, Sonny Moreno, Charlie Burnham, Marvin Sewell, Jerome Harris, Fred Cash, and Rocky Bryant. All the music in this episode was produced and mixed by Jason Gambrell and engineered by Eamon Drum at Bridge Studios in Brooklyn. Family Ghosts is hosted and produced by me, Sam Dingman, with Odelia Rubin, Jennifer Lai, Jacob Smith, Lindsay Cradwell, Jenna Hannum, and Janiel Kastner. Our story editor is Michaela Bly. This episode was mixed by Evan Arnett, and our theme music is by Luis Guerra. Special thanks this week to Mona Cahan. Executive producers for Season 2 are myself, along with Keith Reynolds and Aaliyah Tevakolian at Spoke Media. Find more great podcasts at spokemedia.io. Ghost family, this concludes our second season, and we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for waiting out the long delay between seasons and for listening to and sharing this season of stories once it finally arrived. We will be back with a third season of Family Ghosts later this year, and between now and then, we'll be traveling to a few more cities to do Family Ghosts live shows. Please follow us for updates on Twitter and Instagram, at FamGoShow. That's F-A-M-G-H-O, show. In the meantime, keep an eye on this feed for bonus episodes all summer long, and... If you want to help make the future of Family Ghosts even more exciting, please consider becoming a member of the Kindred Spirits on Patreon at patreon.com slash familyghosts. Kindred Spirits get to hear exclusive bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else, early access to season three, discounts on live show tickets, and a whole lot more. And with that, thank you, Ghost Family, for listening to Family Ghosts, where every house is haunted.
You're listening to WALT. Homegrown. Homemade radio.